Well, good morning to you guys. Tenakota Katoa. How are you doing? Isn't that wonderful news? Um, I'm not a real hype person, but man, I'm feeling so high this morning about this, this opportunity we have at St. Mark's. Like, and some of it's personal, like I'm pulling that trailer out of my garage every Sunday, so there's, a, there's some personal joy in this as well. Um, but I'm just thinking, like, we're going to be in there with the heat pumps and the carpet, and there's you know, we're going to have time for food and ministry and uh, like just thinking about the youth group going there on Thursday nights. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's already um, outgrown their home. So it's like, it's so great that they're going to have a home and a place where we can do kingdom life out of. And this is, this is actually really awesome, guys. Like I, I know of a few church plants and it actually is quite unusual that you can get a, like a home or a hub, a place where you can keep all your gear and you can do, have an office and do ministry out of. That is actually extremely rare. A lot of church plants have to set up and pack down in, in halls for many, many years before you get these sort of opportunities. So I think this is a Kairos moment where God's like kind of just opened the door for us as a church to go into a place and to really flourish, and um, maybe I'm the only one excited about this, but yeah, it's, a, woo, yeah, yeah. I'm getting real Pentecostal this morning, like, uh, come on, <laughs> come on church, <laughs> yeah. uh, like, I'm, you know, I'm just like, wow, how good is God, and even like, you know, that was an answer to prayer, and like, we had a prayer about um, the kids' church as well, we've had Alex and Ellie came and approached us and said they'd love to do this, there was another answer to prayer that we'd been, and there's lots of other things we've just been putting before the Father's hands and saying, God, would you, would you, would you provide, would you bring the things, and He is a good God, isn't He? That's, that's what encouraged me about this, was that like, God is good, He's faithful, he, he, he loves this church, and this is His church, and He will build His church, won't He? Yeah, so there's my Pentecostal spiel for this morning. I'm over the moon, um, on a high, and um, it, it leads quite well into my series that we are doing on Philippians for uh, next few weeks. Um, we're looking at uh, basically a theme of, of joy in Jesus and Christ. So, Philippians. Um, if you're not familiar with this um, letter of the Bible. It was written by the Apostle Paul, and it was written to a church that he actually planted in a place called Philippi, which is in what we would, what is northern Greece today. And he, he actually planted this church, and you can actually, I won't go into detail with it, but you can read about it in Acts 16, where he, he went to this town and he met a few people. He actually was in prison in this town, and this is this famous story that we know about where Jesus and Silas were in prison and they were singing at midnight and then their chains came off and because and of an earthquake and then this, uh, the jailer gave his heart to the Lord and his family. Well, this is, this is how this church started. It was, it was, this was the planting of this church in its place. And Paul's writing to this church about 10 years after, and we're, we're kind of in a time period, I think it's about sort of around AD 50, sort of, we're talking about 20, 30 years after Jesus' death, and people think that Paul is either writing from Rome, or he's writing from somewhere else, but um, I, I like to think that he's writing from Rome, and the unusual circumstance in this is that Paul is writing a letter to this church from prison, He's writing to this, this church a letter of encouragement, and he's in prison. And the, 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 the amazing thing about that is that it's, it's, as Paul has been in prison for a while, 
um, he's potentially chained to um, a, um, a guard or another person. Oh, sorry, that thing's... He's potentially um, chained to someone. Um, he's, he, they believe he might have been under house arrest for almost two years prior to this. Um, the, Paul is in a, a very hard and extreme situation. And th- these are the words that Paul writes to the church in Philippi from this position of being in prison. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Philippians 1, verse 12 to 18. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, as much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from good will. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. The, 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 book of, uh, the, the letter of Philippians is, is such a, a, an encouraging letter to read. It's actually only four chapters. You can read in it about, depending how fast you are as a reader, maybe 15 to 20 minutes. I don't know how long it would take to listen to, but you could do that in the morning, you know, and I encourage you, like over this time while we're doing the, the letter of Philippians, read this letter because it is so encouraging. It's so encouraging about how to do life in Christ. And and this is the funny thing is, is, is our societies are becoming more and more like those societies that the, the apostles were writing to. You know, these guys were a, a minority in a, in a culture that was very dominant and they were they were coming up against the empire of the world with their message that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar is Lord. That's, that's probably why Paul is in prison. It's not because he believed in God. The Romans had no problem with the fact that, that Christians believed in God. They had many gods that they believed in. The issue they had with the Christians was that they said, no, Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. Like that was countercultural. That just cut across what was going on in the Roman Empire, and that was the thing that got Christians in trouble. And it's probably the reason why Paul's in prison here. And 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 as our society becomes increasingly secular and increasingly pluralistic, where we have lots of beliefs and values and objective truth, you know, the the message that we we're, we're proclaiming in love and in grace is Jesus is Lord, eh? That He's the Lord of our life that he's our saviour, and that he matters, and how we live our life matters because he is our saviour. And Paul says this interesting thing um, at the start of this, this thing. He says, that what has happened to me. In one translation it says, um, in the circumstances that I am in. And I don't know about you, but I, uh, my personality... I am, uh, you, you might think I'm Mr. Steady and secure and not emotional, but my personality, I'm like an INFP on the Myers-Briggs. I am a, a feeler, and so um, what, what I tend to do is I tend to um, feel my way through life often and perceive my way through life, and what that does is, is sometimes when things are good, 
they're really, really good, like this morning. Like, it's really good. <laughs> like, life is good. Like, hallelujah. Like, let's, let's storm the gates. Like, advance the kingdom. I'm over the moon. But when things are bad, it, sometimes it spirals the other way. And I'm like, oh, man, it's all terrible and awful. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine um, who's got a similar personality to me, actually. He's an ENFP, so he's slightly better because I'm an introvert. And so it just gets worse and worse kind of thing. At least he's more outgoing. And uh, he, he said that... Um, that he described himself as like a dolphin. And, and he was saying the reason why he did that was he said, like, you know, dolphins are like go up and down all the time. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm a dolphin. Like, I want to be a lion, you know, like one of those stoic lions that's just like, yeah, no problems. I'm steady as, you know, I, I'm, no, I'm not affected by my circumstances or things that happen to me. I'm just steady, you know. But man, I'm a dolphin. Like, this is, this is me. I'm a dolphin. Like, things are good. <laughs> and then things are bad. I'm like on the beach, like, kind of. <laughs> that is my personality. And I've had to come to terms with that, that I am affected, like a lot of us, by our circumstances, right? Like, if I gave you a, a vision, if I asked you to give a, me a vision of what your perfect life would look like, I bet you that most of you would have a, a, a life where there were no problems, probably. So it's probably something like you don't have a mortgage, you don't have to pay bills, you probably don't have to go to work, or you get to do that dream job, you know, like a movie critic or, you know, a sports commentator or something. Like, you would have this kind of you know, like this world where everything would be awesome, and you'd have that great house, and you'd, ha- you'd have that perfect car, you know, like ev- all that KFC for breakfast, like it would be the, the perfect life, wouldn't it, with no problems. I don't know if many of you would have, uh, if you looked at a, a picture of flourishing, or what your perfect life would look like, where there would be challenges and problems. But unfortunately, in this life, there are troubles and problems, isn't there? And so even though we had this picture of flourishing this perfect life, there are problems. And the Apostle Paul says that that stuff's happened to him. He says that due to circumstances, unfairly probably, he's got put into prison. And here he is in this situation because he's, all he is doing is proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. And he's in an unfair situation. Now, if that was me... I would just be complaining. I'd be like, you know, if I, had, I was in prison, I'd be like ringing up Amy every day. Oh, you've got to come out and visit me again. Oh, this is terrible. Can you put some social media posts? Like, please, you've got to get a group and a petition. You've got to get me out of here. I would just be complaining. I'd be like, Lord, why have you got me here? I've been doing things for your kingdom. Why am I in prison? Why is this going on in my life? Like, I would be overwhelmed by my circumstances. I would you know, be like, this sucks, this is, not, this is not a picture of flourishing, this is not what my life should be like, but look at how the Apostle Paul writes. So he says, that what has happened to me, and he says, has really served to advance the gospel. It's like, this really sucks, but man, it is awesome. Like, do you know what's happened? Like he's like he's just writing this letter to the Philippians and he's saying, you know, you'd think you guys are worried about me, people are worried about me here in Rome and everywhere, but actually this is really awesome. Like what you thought was a really stink situation, 
is something really awesome is happening here. It's advancing the kingdom. And in the Greek, the word that's used for advance is the same word that they use when an army would go forward and like cut a whole lot of trees out of the way so that the army could march forward. Like he's like, this has like made a beachhead here in this place I'm in in the prison. Like the army, the, the kingdom of God is advancing here because of what has happened. He's not wallowing in self-pity. He's not wallowing in, oh, this is a terrible, awful situation. He's like, man, God is using me here in the midst of this jail cell. Isn't that cool? Like, that's what he's saying. And he says, he says this, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So where he was, there was this, these uh, cracked troops that were called the Praetorian Guard, and there was thousands of them um, that were like guarding wherever he was in this um, place where it was a prison. And these guys must have had conversations with Paul and found out about this guy. And they must have been like, hey, have you, like you imagine back down at the, the barracks, they're like, have you, have you heard about this guy, Paul? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is he in here? Oh, is he a criminal or something? Well, well sort of. He, he's just so happy and he sings all the time and he says all the stuff about Jesus as Lord and not Caesar. I mean, that's pretty revolutionary, but he's such a great guy. Like, he's such an awesome, positive man. And he's telling us about this Jesus, this Messiah, like, who's come to save us and to bring us new life. And so that they're spreading this word around the imperial guard, these crack like secret service kind of guys who are like getting to know Jesus through Paul in that circumstance. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? Now, there's a, there's a, there's a verse um, that I just really want to just to, to touch on just to, just to make a theological point. Is, you know, we, 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 there's a verse in Romans 8.28 which Paul wrote himself which said, you know, we know that, that, that God works in all things for those who are, are called, who are loved by him and called to his purpose. And the, the important thing is to remember is that God didn't put him into prison. Like, God doesn't cause evil and trouble and, and terrible things in your life, but he works in them. So God works in all things. He doesn't cause that terrible thing that happened to you, but through your experiences, God is in that situation, and he can work through it. There's a great analogy that is given that, that God often doesn't beam us out of situations, but he parachutes down into the situation, and, and he he's along, runs alongside us as we're walking through the most difficult things in our life. Like, he is in all things, and he's working all things together for good, but he doesn't cause evil, and he doesn't cause destruction and harm in our lives, but he will use those things to, 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 for good for us and for others. And, it, and it's a really important thing that we, we know that, that in the things in our life, that God is, he's in those situations and helping us. He's not causing that evil or that trouble for us. And, and Paul has an understanding of that, and he's like, oh, man, yeah, this, was, this took me off, off my course coming to prison, but even though I'm in here, God is using this opportunity to reach and spread the gospel so that more of the world can know about Jesus. And it reminded me of this, uh, there's a famous author called Fyodor Dostoevsky, Apologies to any Russians here if I've pronounced that wrong. He wrote a famous, or a lot of famous novels, but you might know the one, Crime and Punishment. But he has an interesting story, because he was a guy who was raised in a very religious environment. He gave up his faith in God. He, he became an atheist, a prominent atheist in Russia. And he was about to 
die. He's about to be sentenced to death because he was involved in this revolutionary movement. And at the last minute, there was like a stay of execution, and he, he was sent off to the gulags. He was sent off to Siberia, you know? Like, this is the worst kind of environment you can imagine, like, just freeze, you know, minus something, freezing cold, um, awful, awful conditions. And the only thing he had to read over that time was a, was a Russian version of the New Testament. So for four long years, he just poured over this, over this gospel and over, over the New Testament, and, and he came to faith through it. And uh, he says this beautiful thing to his, 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 to his um, wife. He says, I believe that there is nothing and, and no one more beautiful, deeper, more sympathetic, and more reasonable and courageous and more perfect than Christ. He went on after that four years, he had to go serve in some compulsory military thing, and then he eventually came back to Russia and then published some of the greatest novels in in, in human history. But it was shaped and formed in this awful experience. But what the thing that he had to hold on to was God. The thing that he held on to was not, you know, like sometimes we think about the word of God like, oh, it, it, it's, it's, you know, this is the Bible, yeah, like this thing. But what he encountered through reading the Bible was Jesus. He encountered the person of Jesus as he read those scriptures day in and day out. And it is, it's so beautiful. He had a really complex life and he, um, he was no saint by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but he just, he, he had a beautiful love of God and a, a great understanding of the Father's heart. And when he died... He asked um, for his family to be around his side, and he asked for them to read the prodigal son to him, just before he was about to die. And I just thought, man, this guy had such a revelation of Jesus Christ through the most difficult circumstances that it shaped and formed his life that he was never the same, and he went on to produce incredible works of art which inspire us today. This is what God can do in the most difficult circumstances To make matters worse for Paul, um, well, not worse, but he also says that some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? So he's saying here that even though I'm in prison, there's people, um, there's people preaching the gospel, and some of them are doing it for good reasons, and some of the people are doing it for bad reasons, and some of the people who are doing it for bad motives are doing it because they're basically kind of jealous of me, and here's their opportunity to be superstars in the church. And the cool thing about Paul and his character is he actually then says, well, what then? So, like, what should I do about this? And he says this, He says, what then, only that in every way, whether in pretense and truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So even though these people were kind of rivals of his in the kingdom, even though these people might have even been saying things bad about him, he has such a character and, 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 and um, ability to, of love in the Lord that he's actually like, well, you know, even though those guys are doing that, man, the gospel is getting preached, so hallelujah. It's like, I don't know how many church leaders would say things like that today. Like, these guys are not saying good things about me, but they're preaching the gospel, so hallelujah anyway. Like, what kind of 
things happened to Paul that he became a person like that. And I want to suggest this morning that what happened to Paul was that he got such a formation in his heart of who Jesus Christ was and the joy of the Lord inside him that he was not affected by external circumstances like what other people said or did. That he was so formed in Jesus Christ from his ministry and his years that he was so in love with God that he was like, man, the gospel's been preached. Bless those guys. Advance the kingdom. Isn't it? What an incredible heart. And I think sometimes we forget with Paul that we just think that the guy got saved in this miraculous event on the road to Damascus and then he just cranked into this ministry. Because when you read Acts, it kind of reads like that, like, because it's a highlights package. And so we kind of think, man, this guy's a superstar. Like, he just, like, got saved, and he had all that Jewish background, and then, bang, he's doing his thing, and he's planting churches, and he's writing these amazing letters. Man, this guy's awesome. But what we don't know is, and we don't um, take into account, is that Paul actually didn't go straight into ministry. He had that incredible experience of God on the road to Damascus, and then, it's, he writes about it in Galatians, he actually said, I went and spent three years in, in, in Arabia, in the desert. And we don't know much detail about what he did there, but I want to suggest that what I think Paul was doing in those three years in Arabia was he was in a school of spiritual formation. For three years, I think he was unpacking that experience he had on the road to Damascus where he... he he heard God, he had this amazing thing, and he was like basically coming to terms with what that meant, and I, and I believe the Holy Spirit was, was forming in him who he was going to be for his ministry, that he had such a, 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 an encounter and formation with God in those three years that then he launched out on his ministry to plant churches and to speak into situations and to do miracles and to do all sorts of things. But he didn't just launch straight away. He actually went and spent, he built the interior of his life up, his soul up, deep wells of God's presence inside him. He was in Christ. In the New Testament, I think it's like 143 times, Paul says, um, uses like in him or in Christ in, 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 in his letters and stuff. Like he, he was so in Jesus that it was just pouring out of him. And that's where his joy was. That was the joy that could withstand incredible circumstances. It's like in one part, I think it's in Corinthians, he's talking about, he says, oh, look, you know, I, I received like the lashings, uh, 40 minus 1 or something from the Jews, and then, and then I was beaten with rods, and then I was uh, uh, stoned, and um, more in the stoned with rocks kind of way, not, not in the other way. Uh, and I, I was lost at sea for a day and night, you know, like, lost at sea for a day. Like, you just read this, like, what the heck? What, what kind of, like, rock star lifestyle is this that this guy's living? And, and I was like, how did the heck did he do that? How did he have the strength? How did he have the fortitude to go through those experiences? He was in prison a number of times, including this one in Philippians, but he still has the joy of the Lord within him. How does he do that? I believe it was from that time that he had with Christ, that, that time he had with the Lord, he was in Christ. And I think this is where, as I sort of come to come in to close this morning. In John 15, Jesus says this in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And then further down it says, 
closer to verse 10, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that your joy may be in you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That's the Father's heart for you this morning. That's the call of Jesus, is that his joy would be in you, and that his joy would be full or complete. That's the invitation from Jesus. Come and live in me, and I in you. And then you will have a joy, you will have a a, a, a character within you that can withstand all sorts of circumstances, good or bad, because your, circum, because your well-being will not be dictated by your circumstances. Your well-being will be dictated by Jesus who lives within you, the joy that lives within your heart. St. John of the Cross talked about like the wine cellar of our heart, and if you don't drink wine, maybe the craft beer place of your heart or the whiskey chamber of your heart I don't know whatever coca-cola coke zero whatever it is but there's like this kind of this beautiful part of you inside that Christ has formed but the question is 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 how do you do that how do you have that within you how do you have Christ in you to be like that to be like Paul and I want to suggest it's it's very simple it's stuff we've been talking about over and over again it's by being in his presence very simply by being in his presence, is coming before him tomorrow morning at lunchtime, late at night, Lord, I surrender, I, f- I want to receive your grace, I want to receive your love, I'm in a difficult situation here at work, God, I'm just taking five minutes in the toilet with the thing locked, or I'm going for a walk around the corner, God, I need you right now, I need your joy, I need your presence right now, Lord, I don't have the answers, I don't know what to do here, Lord, maybe it's with staff, maybe it's with colleagues, Maybe it's for family, maybe it's for friends. Whatever situation it is that you're just like, no, I'm filling up on you right now, Jesus. I'm not going to be dictated. I'm not going to be overwhelmed by my circumstances. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to respond by surrendering to you. I'm going to be filled up with you, and then I'm going to receive your wisdom and your discernment to deal with this situation. I'm not going to react out of my emotions, God, but I just surrender all of that to you right now. That's as simple as that. It could be a couple of minutes. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to follow any kind of religious rules or anything. It's actually just, man, God, right now, I need you right now. God, help. Help, Lord. And the second thing I want to, as I finish, I want to just expand on is this. In verse 14, it says, And most of the, the brothers and sisters, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Isn't that a beautiful phrase there where it says, They've become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. There is something about people that can inspire us. And I think that's why God has created the church, is that sometimes on our own we get quite discouraged. Even if you're the most confident person in the world, sometimes you, you need others. And uh, uh, one thing I, about my personality, which I've worked out, the, the old dolphin, <laughs> is, is that to keep me happy, <laughs> I, I notice when I hang around positive and joyful people, it's like it, it lifts me up. Like I, I kind of absorb people's environments. So if I'm around some really positive and joyful people, I'm just like, oh, yeah, 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 life's good, yeah, things are good, yeah, let's do this, woo-hoo. 
But if I'm around a whole lot of negative and, and cynical people and stuff, I'll, I'll just pick up that and, I'll, and I'll, I'll start sort of bringing it into my own self. And so I'm really aware of that about my personality. And maybe many of you have got that too, that you, you need to be environments and have people around you who are encouraging you and stirring you because they've got that infectious joy of the Lord within them. Um, Sammy's not here at the moment, so I can embarrass him. But my um, brother-in-law, Sam Bardsley, is one of those people. Oh, there he is. <laughs> if you have the pleasure of meeting Sam, he is just a person who is, is just, has just got this joy. He's got this buoyancy about him. Like, you know, like, 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 like you see a little rubber ducky in the bath, and it just like bounces back, kind of the buoyancy. He just is such an optimist and such a positive person that I always enjoy being around Sam because he lifts my spirits. He's a person of joy. I think it's just something within him that God's put in him, and it's a gift. It's a gift to, to people who are around him and that people who know him. And I, I just encourage you, that's, that's a, like a bit of a microcosm of what we're doing at church when we gather on Sundays. You know, we, one of our values is whanaungatanga. That's, that's about being a family together. There's, a, there's an aspect of life and the circumstances that go on that we need each other. You know, like, and it's, I think it's the gift from the lockdown was that thing that the first thing that we really loved the most coming back to was that communion, that relationship of being together. Because, man, I need you guys, and you need me. We need each other, hey. There's something beautiful about what we're doing this morning, taking communion and worshiping, praying for one another, talking, making jokes. Like, this is family, and this is life, and this is important. And there's, there's days where you need to borrow other people's faith. There's a verse in Hebrews which um, gets trotted out, and people always think it's about church attendance, you know, let us not neglect fellowshipping together. But the verse before talks about let us spur us how to encourage one another. The whole point of the thing was not so that they could get the stats up in the churches in the early church. Oh man, we've got a thousand person church here in, you know, Colossae or something. It was like, nah, we're living in, in a society where there's so much pressure, and, and it's hard to be a Christian, and we've been persecuted. We need each other. So let's keep gathering together because we can't do this on our own. And I think looking at the, you know, the COVID period for a lot of Christians, that was an off-ramp for, oh, I'm going to pull away from relationship and think I'll just do my own thing at home. And yeah, and you can do that, but man, it's, it's a hard road. It's so much easier to do it through church and community. Like Jesus said that there'll be suffering in this life. You know, he, he didn't promise it's all going to be um, beer and Skittles or lollipops and, you know, you know, chocolate rivers or something. Like, there's difficulty in life. There's suffering in life. But wouldn't you rather do it with Jesus and with the, the body of Christ? And all our brokenness and all our idiosyncrasies and weirdness, but wouldn't you rather do it together than on your own struggling? Like, I don't know about you, but that's for me. I'm just like, man, I need you guys. I love the church. I love the bride. I love this. This is, this is what I live for, you know? This is awesome on Sundays. You guys encourage me. You give me joy. And I hope that we do for each other and I do that for you. Is that all right? Cool. Why don't we stand? Last week, I, uh, as a, we were talking about refreshment last week, if you weren't here, and Jesus saying, if you're thirsty, you know, come to me and drink. And we actually had some time at the end where we just, ref- we had a time of refreshment in the Holy Spirit uh, for ourselves and for each other. 
And I'd like to have another time like that this morning. I had this picture after church last Sunday. I was going to put it up on the Facebook, but I, I didn't get around to it. But I had a picture of like an estuary. And you know like when the tide goes out and you see all those boats there and they're kind of on their side, they're kind of like that, you know, sort of thing. And it looks a bit kind of desolate, eh? It looks kind of like, oh, that doesn't look very nice, like kind of like looks horrible kind of thing. And then, you know, when the tide comes in, those boats kind of right themselves and then they look, it looks beautiful, right? You've got all these boats kind of floating and then they can float off and stuff. And there's, a, there's actually an economic principle which says that the rising tide lifts all boats. And basically it says, like, if the economy's doing well, um, you know, all boats will lift. Um, it's probably not 100% correct, but I like the principle in itself. You know, and I think there's something for the Holy Spirit in that. You know, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to lift us. You know, if you're on, on your side in that estuary, you know, if you, as you come into God's presence, as you're at church, as you're praying, you're going to be lifted by the Holy Spirit as that tide of the Holy Spirit comes in. You're going to be buoyant as you're filled with the joy of the Lord, and then you're going to be able to go off and do kingdom mission because you're ready to go. And I just felt like this season has been particularly wearing for a lot of people. It's been distracting. It's had difficult circumstances in it, but we still have the joy of the Lord, don't we? And, you know, I just feel like the Holy Spirit just wants to minister to us with that this morning, about that joy. So if you want to, so it's up to you, why don't you just respond by putting your hands out. And I'm just going to pray some simple prayers about um, us receiving the joy of the Lord for ourselves. And then maybe you might sense to pray for the person beside you that they want to receive some joy from the Lord too because we're a body and we encourage each other. Yeah, Holy Spirit, um, you are so welcome in Korimako. Uh, We love you and we love what you're doing in our lives regardless of whatever circumstances we're in, good or bad. You want to encourage us this morning. You want to fill us with your love and your joy, that deep, deep joy within us that would be able, help us to withstand any circumstances. So right now, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to just come and fill us with your joy.